Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Glad you're with us uh, as we uh, venture into another hour of Golden Eagle Sports Talk. Stephen Gottfried's going to be with us a little later in the show. Uh, he posted an interesting article a week or so ago back about Southern Miss athletics, the football program in particular. We're going to be talking to him. Kelly Sander will be joining us later. Excuse me, but first of all, we want to go to the Biloxi Sun Herald's Patrick McGee, who joins us every Thursday. And Patrick, I'm going to start out by telling you, you have not given me good news uh, this afternoon about the accessibility of Southern Miss football this week on stadium. Let our listeners know what the changes are. Yeah, well, actually, it's, I, I don't know every little thing that's going into this, but it's it's one of those uh, things they just announced, I think, made official today, really, is that it's going to be through. It, in the past, it was made free on Stadium or through the Stadium app, or you could pull it up on Pluto, Pluto TV, but apparently uh, these Conference USA games this year are going to be through a pay service through Stadium, which, I, which as far as I can tell, is like $5 a month. I haven't even been able to figure out how to, to subscribe to it yet. Uh, but it is going to be available to people, cable subscribers who have access to Fox Sports Southeast uh, and maybe some other random Sinclair-owned Fox Sports affiliates. Uh, but it's 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 going to be a little bit harder for people to get get a hold of. In the past, all the stadium uh, content was easy to get to and easy to find via uh, the stadium app on Roku or however else through the website. But um, I don't have a great answer for people who don't have Fox Sports Southeast. They're just going to, have to figure out a way maybe to to get the stadium uh, subscription service. So yeah, yeah, that's 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 about all I can give you right now. Well, so I got a text last night from a listener named Jim uh, Jim Angelo up in North Mississippi. He seemed to think you could find the game on WatchStadium.com, but you say you're still going to run into somebody wanting money from you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I guess the idea is that you could go to that website and get this subscription service, uh, or maybe there's something I'm not aware of in terms of where it will be made uh, readily available to watch. But as far as I can tell, according to the statement put out by Stadium uh, just the, earlier this morning, it's it's going to probably be a, through their subscription service, or you're just going to find it one of the Fox Sports affiliates. So, Patrick, I'm on a radio show last night. I was a guest on a show over in the Macomb area, and the guys there asked me, what did I think was the biggest problem with Southern Miss defensively? And I replied that I just think it's a lack of a pass rush, a lack of uh, you know physical play on the line of scrimmage, and that just puts more pressure on a suspect defensive backfield. Uh, w- would you agree with that analogy? Yeah, that's that's about right. I mean, the the defensive line really hasn't got much pressure on the quarterback. There was a stretch there early in the second half uh, uh, last week uh, against Louisiana Tech where they were able to get to the quarterback, but other than that, it just really hasn't happened. 
And the secondary hasn't, you know, played that great. They especially played poorly in the South Alabama game against those receivers. Uh, the receivers really just had a heyday. I mean, they were slightly better in defense in the secondary last week, uh, but the defense still up front wasn't able to get to the quarterback a whole lot. Um, this week's going to be really tell us a lot about the Southern Miss football team and if it's going to be able to compete the rest of the way. That Louisiana Tech team was playing without like six starters and uh, uh, 20 players in their two deep. Uh, so that was a Louisiana Tech team that shorthanded, and they still uh, gave it. The Southern Miss still gave it away there late. So, uh, you know, we'll find out if Southern Miss is going to be able to compete within Conference USA and play some against some of these other teams the rest of the way if they can uh, maybe beat a Tulane squad. It's coming off a tough loss, but it's you know it's a solid Tulane team. They're they're good up front on defense. They have a good good back, a good group of running backs at Tulane. Uh, so. Uh, Tulane's going to be, you know, like I told you before, I, you know, I think Tulane comes in as a favorite. And, uh, but, yeah, this game is going to tell us a lot. Up to this point, Southern Miss just hasn't played very well on defense. All right. Uh, get after the professor, Luke. So we're talking to follow up on that with, with Jacquez Turner opting out this year. Last year, five and a half sacks, 13 tackles for loss. That's the obvious. But it seems like there was a lot of pressure that was brought last year. And, and a name that I think Southern Miss fans, Patrick, don't realize how much they're missing this year was, was DQ Thomas. He had just as many sacks as Turner, and he had 15 tackles for loss. And there seems that we're not bringing as much pressure in the first two games than we did last year. No, I mean, it, it really has hurt Southern Miss not to have Jacquez Turner out there. He opted out before the season, is looking to transfer. Uh, uh, he, and it really just hurts overall depth on that defensive line. Uh, Taj Sykes, I thought, played pretty well last week. But outside of that, you can't really, really point to anybody else uh, that really stood out. But uh, not having Jacquez Turner, uh, you know, and he was able to, you know, get pressure up the middle and off the edge. And they, Southern Miss just doesn't have anybody else right now that's proven they could do that. I think a couple of JUCO guys, Cherry, maybe, uh, uh, you know, that they can eventually get to the quarterback, but still they're still adjusting this level of college football. So uh, just really so many JUCO guys just trying to catch on. It just hasn't clicked for all of them just yet. Another name, Southern Miss fans missing Terry Whittington, seven and a half uh, sacks off the edge mm-hmm. last year. Offensively, um Still 129 yards on the ground, but it's really good compared to what it has been. Did you feel like the passing game opened up the running game some? Yeah, I think so. I, I really liked how the, the play calling uh, went mostly last week. I thought everything kind of uh, – you, you saw them really kind of getting some yardage off the edge in the ground game, which we haven't seen much of at all. Uh, you know, aside from maybe DeMichael Harris breaking a, you know, one or two that went for – Big gainers, but you know, outside of that, nobody's really done that. But you saw Gore and, and uh, Ragsdale both have nice runs off the uh, off the tackle and, and make a move or two, and make guys miss. So it was encouraging to see the, the offense start to produce a little bit in the ground game. Uh, but again, that may be a little bit of shorthanded defense. Uh, this is a, a, a two lane squad that's going to be pretty good. Uh, so we'll, we'll find out if they're going to be able to produce consistently against a team like this. You know, Patrick, I asked a guest earlier this week kind of a blunt question, and and that is uh, how did he assess really just overall the talent level uh, on this Southern Miss football team? When you look at it from top to bottom, is this the talent level we expected to have this far into a Jay Hobson's tenure, and is this a talent level that's, uh, you know, from that standpoint able to compete for a conference championship? 
I, I mean, I think the obvious answer to that right now is no, they can't compete for a conference championship at the moment. Uh, and, but, you know, I looked out there and, and, and I'm thinking, man, they could really use Jalen Adams at receiver right now as that kind of second option behind, behind Tim Jones. Now, I know Jalen was a big question mark going all the way back to December last year if he was going to come back. So whenever he opted out, it wasn't a huge surprise for me. He didn't even play in the bowl game. And I'm, he may have been healthy enough to do that last year. So uh, across the board, Southern Miss just doesn't – I think they're at certain positions. I think at running back they're actually quite talented compared to uh, where they've been the last few years. And, of course, you have Jack Abraham and Tim Jones. But outside that, I mean, who is – you know, who are really standouts on that offense and on defense? I mean, <laughs> Ty Sykes, you know, is a nice player. But uh, in Santrell Latham, I Shorts. thought was exceptional. Uh, you know, short short is a guy that's going. You know, he's he's a guy that's going to be a stalwart in that secondary going forward. And Santrell Latham, of course, had a really big game. Uh, he's a talented guy. Uh, so it, it's just you know you, you're running off. You know, uh, used to you could go off. You know, count off the ten fingers, then keep going on. You know, the players that are really solid across the board at Southern Miss, and I, I just don't see uh, those guys. I don't see just a, a bunch of talented playmakers on both sides of the ball. When you looked at the skill players last year for Southern Miss on offense, it was really good. You know, had the Michael Harris, uh, Jack Abraham, Quez Watkins, Jalen Adams, Tim Jones. Uh, that receiving core was loaded, and they've gone from really a loaded receiving core to really just kind of uh, Tim Jones being the man. How'd we get here, Patrick? Um, you know, I mean, having these players opt out in an unusual situation obviously contributes to this. Uh, but also, whenever you swing for, you know, you, you go almost strictly junior college in a class, uh, you know, there, it was obvious that Jay thought he needed to fill holes quickly for them to compete this season. But if you miss on some of these junior college guys, or they're just not quite what you expected, or they just take a little bit, takes a little while for them to adjust to FBS, it's going to be a struggle, at least through the first half of a season, and I think that's what we're seeing. Maybe some of these uh, JUCO guys catch on this week or in the next two to three weeks. But uh, up to this point, it, it just hasn't – the production hasn't been there from all those JUCO guys jumping on board. Patrick, real quick, what, what's the uh, word on Tim Jones this week? Just about ten seconds left. Uh, uh, Jones and Ragdale both missed time uh, late in that game, and I think both of them are, or got a chance to play on Saturday, but it, it, it's a little bit up in the air. All right, Patrick, hang on. you got a few minutes. We'd like to uh, get your analysis of the uh, upcoming game with Tulane, what the Golden I, Eagles have to do to win. Yeah, I, or... I, I apologize. I apologize. I can't. I've got, I got to hit the road for Parkinson here in like two minutes. All right. Well, good deal. So I'm sorry. No, we All understand. Right. All right, Patrick, All right, look forward to next right, week. Bye. Patrick McGee, everybody. From the Biloxi Sun-Herald, the professor is on the road to uh, cover something. <laughs> and uh, we'll find Kelly and bring him on next. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank uh, the Professor Patrick McGee for joining us in the first segment of the show. Uh, sponsored, of course, by Dickie's Barbecue Fit. Our good friends here in Hattiesburg serve a great barbecue seven days a week. 
And we encourage you, if you're in the mood for barbecue, don't think any further than Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Also want to uh, thank Campus Book Mart and CampusBookMart.net for their support of the show. Great place to buy your Southern Miss swag. Uh, as you know, you can go online to CampusBookMart.net, or you can shop their store on Hardy Street. And we'll get to the uh, 4th Street Bar and Grill uh, in the next segment, but Luke Johnson will actually be there uh, tomorrow afternoon as we're going to we're going to take the Eagle Hour back on the road, and uh, Luke will be down there with a the producer, and uh, so we'll have some cool stuff uh, coming your way tomorrow afternoon from 4th Street Bar and Grill. But now we go out to the estate of Kelly Sander behind the lock gates of Canebrake. And Kelly, how, how is the world out there in, in, in your part of the, the empire? I, I don't know, Bob. I pay somebody else to watch it. Huh. So, <laughs> I, I do nothing. I do nothing. Just pay other people to do it for me. I got well, I, I, yeah, I can't relate, but I, but I do hear what you're saying. Speaking, <clears throat> speaking of somebody who has, has lived the privileged life, Lane Kiffin has uh, run his mouth and is getting himself in trouble with Conference USA. Oh, no. Lane Kiffin, uh, in an interview with a reporter earlier this week about uh, talking about social distancing and limiting crowds for the SEC games this coming weekend, he said that after coaching in Conference USA, he totally understands social distancing as there no, was never any did he, crowd. No, tell me he didn't really do He did say that. Yeah. He did say that. And, you know, and, and look, we've joked on this show about that before, but we're in the family. Right, mm-hmm. we're in the Conference USA. If you want to, if you want to bash Conference USA, we can do it while we're in the Conference USA family. But if you're going to turn, be a turncoat and go somewhere else, and then trash us out, it's like you can make fun of anybody in my family, my brothers and sisters. You know, I mean, we can, we can in the family, we can make fun of them, but you can't because you're not a member of the family. Yeah, I but, know, I yeah. know. So how about that? Making fun, him making fun of Conference USA. What do you think about that, Luke? The shoe fits, wear it. Mm, listen to Luke, Kelly. So you're saying he, it's okay for him to trash Conference USA? Here's the thing. I watched us. I watched the Conference USA championship game at Florida Atlantic. Okay, so I'm agreeing with what he's talking about with Florida Atlantic. They were like. I'm not exaggerating. There were like 500 people in the stands for the conference title game at Florida Atlantic. So in his context, sure. Now, you know, when you're dealing with Marshall, when you're dealing with Southern Miss, even Louisiana Tech, maybe even like North Texas, that doesn't apply at all. Um, But, yeah, I think the biggest thing is that now that uh, Lane Kiffin is feeling at home in Oxford, he's even taking over the attitude as well. Yeah, again, if if you're part of the family, you can – but, but when you're when you step outside the family, now we got to fight. Okay, now <laughs> you can when you're in the family. Okay, but don't don't say anything bad he's about got, my family. But, but he's got to think good about Conference USA scheduling that home and home with Charlotte, though. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it's amazing how your your attitude changes when it's a, a chance to pad your win loss total. Yeah, you know? well, I, I don't think <clears throat> I think he'd be better to have not said that. But then he have a history, Kelly, of kind of running his mouth and getting himself yeah. in trouble with his mouth. Well, it, it's he's younger. He's one of these younger new air quote new age coaches, right? Um, but yeah, seems to do that. But uh, and and everybody, when you look at social media sites across the state, everybody talking about now that because because of their coaches, you know, it's Ole Miss. 
State and Jackson State, and that uh, mm-hmm. that Southern Miss is going to be the the odd guy out. You know, but, uh, he who laughs last laughs best. So keep it here. We'll we'll get the last laugh. Well, I'll tell you this. I heard some. I heard some gentlemen on another unnamed sports show <clears throat> kind of poo poo in the idea that um, that Deion Sanders would be able to go into any home of an quote unquote SEC caliber recruit and convince them to come to Jackson State over an SEC school. I'm not 100% sure, guys, I buy that. I think Deion Sanders has a lot of cachet with young people. And I don't know, I think Neon Dion walking up in your house, Kelly Sander, if you're an 18-year-old kid that thinks, you know, this guy's something really special, uh, just might be able to get some of those caliber athletes. And and look, let's be honest, those are going to be some of the guys that we're looking at, too. You know, right. Southern Miss is going after, too. But the thing that any athlete should ask themselves, and, and I, I say this to, you know, I've coached youth baseball for many years, and kids will say, you know, what's your advice on, on JUCO or Division One or whatever? Look, it doesn't matter. The question you should ask yourself, and, and of course, Luke played at the highest level, so he can comment on this better than me. But the question I would ask is, am I going to get to play? Period. Right. Am I going to get to play right away? Because my goal, most kids' goal, is to play whatever the pro sport is, at the highest level, major leagues, NFL, NBA, whatever. All right, So I don't want to go to a prestigious school and sit the bench for three years. Mm-hmm. I want to go somewhere where I can play now to where scouts can notice me now where I can put on the radar now. Mm-hmm. Because what happens if you do go to that prestigious school, sit on the bench for three years, the first game of your senior year, you tear your ACL. Mm-hmm. Well, so much for a career at the next level. Right, you know, because they didn't get to see you. What's what say you, Luke Johnson, about that? Well, just going back to Dion real quick. He's already there was, was on social media. He's already reached out to the best player in the state, Dion uh, Smith, who's a wide receiver for Prep. He was in the JPS school system, but transferred to Prep when JPS canceled their their uh, season. He's committed to LSU, and he found uh, through the story found out that his mother actually named him after Deion Sanders. So they've already connected, and he said he was possibly <laughs> open for playing it for Deion Sanders at at Jackson State. So it's already started. You know, I, I think part of it is facilities are, are going to play play a big deal in it. But at the same token, you know, if, if you're if unless you get um, you know, by a top five school in the Southeastern Conference or, you know, in the Big Ten or something, Dion really can make the pitch that he could probably in a couple years have them playing for a national championship because Jay Hobson had Alcorn playing for a national championship in like, you know, two or three years. So that, that, that will be a recruiting pitch. And I'm telling you, some of the best athletes go overlooked because the programs aren't that great inside JPS. And that's sitting there right in his backyard. So, I think the we talked about it the other day, and this is is staying on Dion, but it's going to be about him. I think being more of a bus driver and a manager, and it's going to be who he brings in. Now there was a report the other day that Warren Sapp was going to be on the staff, and Terrell Owens was going to be on the staff, and all that was fake news. And Dion came out and refuted it. But yeah, I, I think though to Kelly's point, we have changed with this with this generation. And no longer is it about team, no longer is it about alma mater, no no longer is it about program, it's about me, 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 and when it quits being about me, 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 I'm going to go somewhere else. I think that's exactly right. I think it's all about me, me, me. Kelly, you agree? Well, the old adage was that there's no I in team, 
but kids will say, but there is an M.E. Uh, this this, this right. time around. So right. they've even they've even changed. But, yeah, it's, it's you know, called the new age coach, the new age parent, you know, the new age athlete. Uh, coaches, a lot of coaches who have taken retirement and maybe even early retirement have said, you know, it's, it's not, it's just not the same. Uh, it's, it's not what I'm used to. It's not what I'm comfortable with. And, um, you know, if, if you, if you can deal with the kids, then you can't deal with the parents, Right. you know, who are still, you know, going to bat for their children when their kids are 22 or 23 themselves shaving and, and maybe have a wife and a child, and the parents are still up there. <laughs> and, and Kelly, it, nowadays it just—it's it, unbelievable how it starts. I've seen things on social media with parents putting these glamour photos of their kids up, and they're—they're they're five and six years old playing t-ball, you know, and and the t-ball team all holding their hands out with the rings and the, you know, the glamour photo of this team as if it was some kind of national championship team. And then, you know, you see in every other car, my child is an all-star, number whatever. That's changed in mine in your lifetime, has it not? I, I don't recall that when my kids were growing up playing sports that uh, anybody really did that kind of thing. No, I, I always joke that Little League programs now or youth baseball programs are now starting leagues with kids recently discovered on ultrasound. Uh, <laughs> and they have rings when they win, right? <laughs> that, that's, that's right. So, uh, I mean, it, it is it is pretty comical. But like everything else, here's the dead horse again. Follow the money, right? I mean, you can put these three and four year old kids out there to play soccer or whatever. They have no clue what they're doing. But thousands of parents and Mima and people and everybody's out there watching them and buying concession stands and buying tickets and. Uh, it's hmm. it's amazing, and then the, the That's problem a that, that great you run question. into there. Well, I was just going to say that the, the problem you run into there, guys, is the earlier you start these kids, the earlier they get burned out. Right on on That's sports, exactly and then right. they get to be then they get to be thirteen and fourteen, where they should be at the prime of their athletic career, so to speak. They're bored with it. They're burned out. So then they turn to drugs and alcohol and the hmm. other things they shouldn't be turning to. Kelly, did you say here's people? the question? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, what his you grandkids say? would call him. What Were they going to call him Peepaw or Nuts or Crazy or what? Yeah, man, can you say that on the radio, well, Kelly? They I don't know. call me something, and I'm not sure where they got it, but they call me Jabba. <laughs> See you tomorrow, Kelly Santer. <laughs> Kelly Santer, everybody, on the Eagle Hour. We'll be back. <laughs> Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Thursday, just a little over 48 hours for the kickoff between Southern Miss Tulane. Actually, now inside 48 hours, 1.30 kick on Stadium. May the force be with you, as we found out earlier in the show, trying to find that. We did get, uh, Bob, I should uh, let everybody know, Jody Lott actually texted us. If you got DirecTV in the Hattiesburg area, uh, it should be Fox Sports Southeast. should be Channel 649. So 649. Appreciate you, Jody, looking if they that have, up. If you have the sports uh, package, I think. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, if you have the sports right. package. But 
Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. I'll be there tomorrow eating my eight ninety five every day. Lunch comes with a free drink, Southern Miss memorabilia, pool, trivia night. It's all there at 4th Street Bar and Grill, and we gratefully appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson and Bob Getty from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Please next to have Stephen Godfrey, a writer for SB Nation, who has been with SB Nation since 2011 and a long time ago used to to write, I guess that's a relative term, Stephen, but used to uh, to be in the Pine Belt. And, uh, man, we were checking out an article um, that you wrote last week, kind of talking about uh, where the Southern Miss job lands yeah. uh, among the landscape within college football. And, man, we appreciate you coming on to the Eagle Hour today to discuss that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I haven't been in Hattiesburg in a long time, but I, my apartment used to be able to see the second and third base of uh, the baseball field at Southern Miss. So I worked for, I worked for the American right after Hurricane Katrina uh, a long time ago. So you could say, uh, I, I guess I know a little bit about Southern Miss versus most national media guys, which is, you know, we were kind of talking in the break. The genesis of why I wrote it was that I think it's a better job than most people in the industry realize right now. And it was an intriguing article because uh, I think people in South Mississippi – for, forget the fact that the reason Hattiesburg is called the Hub City is because, jokingly, all roads kind of lead to Hattiesburg. And the very fact you're near the Gulf Coast, you're you're near Jackson, Mobile, you're three hours from Baton Rouge, um, just the, the features of Southern Miss, I think, is that some of the intrigue based off the job, not only historically but from a recruiting perspective, that everywhere you go there's, there's talent to be had? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that... Well, if you were to create a map between, you know, Interstate 20, Interstate 40, and then Interstate 20 and Interstate 10, you would be able to take almost, I would say, somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 percent of the football talent that's out there. Um, you know, Southern Miss is uniquely positioned. They're close to Louisiana. You know, South Mississippi, as y'all know, has state lines don't work don't work like they do you know geographically y'all know that there's a louisiana influence in south mississippi there's a south mississippi influence in louisiana you could go in as southern miss into mobile into baton rouge and new orleans and be able to take your brand in and people would have an instant identification and so just by virtue of that fact i think southern miss is a good job because it has an awareness in a lot of good football communities so when you're looking at evaluating a job in the group of five, I think that's the first that's the first thing you look at is what kind of resource do I have for talent? And I think Southern Miss definitely checks that box. Now, Stevie, you did a great job of pointing out uh, the pinnacle years of Southern Miss, uh, maybe 94 to 2007. Perhaps you could go back a little earlier and, and include some of Jim Carmody's football teams. And you're right. I mean, there was a great brand. And I'm a Southern Miss guy, but I got to say, in all honesty, I think that brand is tarnished now. I just don't think it's seen in the same light uh, that it was seen in past years. You can tell me if you disagree with that, but what do you think has happened that allowed the program uh, to get to where it is today? Yeah, I don't know if I would disagree with that. I think I probably do agree with that. I'm 39, and when I went to college, you know, I put all this in the article, I went to college at Ole Miss. I'm not from Mississippi originally, but when I was in Oxford, all three schools were in the top 25, and, and, I, and I threw this in the article that Southern Miss was the team that everyone was secretly afraid of. There was a blueprint and an archetype for what you had to be as a, as a you know, a, a G5 school, we call them today, how you had to really build your identity, be a giant killer, 
take on all comers. I mean, I remember the billboards around Jackson, Mississippi, where it would say anyone, anytime, anywhere. Now, if you go forward about 20 years, I don't think that that mentality still exists around Southern Miss. I don't think that that brand respect is there in the industry. Um, so how you get there is pretty simple. Unfortunately, it's just money. Uh, money drives everything in college athletics. And when you're outside of those gilded conferences like the Southeastern Conference, you have to constantly be pushing in, in uh, cutting-edge thinking. I don't want to sound like I'm a tech guy, but you need ingenuity. And what happened at Southern Miss is what happens at a lot of other schools in the G5 where you experience success for one reason or another, and you get comfortable, and you kind of sit on your laurels, and you decide, we've got this thing figured out. You know, we don't need the big athletic budget. We don't need this. We don't need that. But what happens is inevitably the market corrects itself. So in Southern Miss's case, you know, I wrote this in the article. I thought it was ironic that they lost to to South Alabama because that's a school that didn't exist in the Jeff Bauer era. That's a school that didn't exist when Southern Miss was, you know, playing Nebraska. They saw the blueprint of schools like Southern Miss and said, well, we can create that as well. And so you've seen more competition in the market. You've seen better investment in facilities. You've seen better investment in athletic departments and everything from social media to weight rooms to you name it. And I think Southern Miss experienced some poor leadership and a bit of an identity crisis following Bauer you know, I, re- I remember when Larry Fedora left, and I think a lot of USN people were, were sort of gobsmacked. And that happens when you have a lifer. That happens when you have an alumnus coach. That happens when you have someone. I mean, I, I guarantee you if I walked into a bar and told a bunch of college football fans, did you know that Alabama was once interested in the Southern Miss head coach, they probably wouldn't believe me. But that's the truth. Right. I mean, Bauer was being vetted by Alabama. That's how... That's how powerful an entity he was, and he stayed in Hattiesburg. So once, once he was gone and, and Southern Miss was a little bit more pedestrian, I think that it took a lot of – it just took too long to sort of recalibrate. I think that's a great point. I think that's an excellent point. What do you think now has to be done? Do you think there is a possibility uh, – you described Southern Miss as once a powerhouse example of G5 football – can they get back there? Yeah, I, I definitely think they can get back there. Um, you know, if we're looking at positives right now, again, I think the footprint that they're in is a massive advantage. And, and, I, and I, there are 40 or 50 or 60 programs that would trade geography with them in a heartbeat. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about the athletic director. I do not know him personally in the industry or anything like that, but I know what he came from at Troy. Troy being a great blueprint, really, for what we're talking about here, which is a G5 power that had a lot of success doing it a particular way, got comfortable, and then that comfort turned into complacency. I spent a lot of time with Neil Brown while he was at Troy before he took the West Virginia job, and you could see you know, physically in the program in terms of their practice, you know, their practice facilities, their meeting spaces, their boosters, there was a lot of sort of just this assumption for a long time that, well, yeah, Larry Blakeney's here, so we're always going to win nine or ten games. Hmm. So what you need is new thinking. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel, okay? You really don't. USM is close to JUCOs and high schools that produce football talent. So let's start there, and let's find a head coach that matches up with the administration, that has a very clear, defined plan. From what I've heard, just as a college football reporter, Southern Miss is leaning towards finding an offensive powerhouse, a guy who's going to come in there and score 50 and 60 points. 
You know, I don't know if that's necessarily a mandate. It obviously helps with ticket sales and marketing. Uh, but I think above all else, you need, a, you need a personnel evaluator because what Fedora was great at and what Bauer was great at and even Monk and some of the guys on Monk and staff was they were great at finding a, a three-star that was actually a four, a two-star that was actually a three. And then on top of that, they were great at taking guys and going, you know what, that's a two-and-a-half-year development guy right there. That's not a linebacker that anybody cares about on February and signing day, but that's a guy that we can turn all conference in two-and-a-half years of conditioning. That's the kind of coach you have to have at that level. And you described that perfectly in the article when you said there was a time Southern Miss was beating teams like Nebraska, Georgia, Oklahoma State, and anyone else dumb enough to schedule them. They won with talented, pissed-off players. Yeah, because, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, I'm a realist, and I'm not condescending because I'm no fan of the way the SEC carries itself. Um, Southern Miss can prey upon that feeling of rejection if there's a two- or three-star kid that's not getting a look in state by by Starkville or Oxford. There's a way to make that work. There's a way to go into New Orleans and, and, and recruit against your opponent this weekend and get more of that sort of college football atmosphere at a campus like Hattiesburg versus Tulane, there's a way to do that. You know, LSU can only sign 25 in Louisiana, right? Alabama can only sign 25. Auburn can only sign 25. That's why that geography, again, is so important. It was a great article, Stephen. Uh, we really enjoyed it. We put it on our uh, Facebook page, this show's Facebook page, and we encourage our listeners to read it. I, I just thought it was insightful. And I just thought it was spot on. And uh, I congratulate you for the work. And I thank you for taking the time to uh, talk to us about it here on our show. Sure. Thanks. Anytime. Stephen Godfrey, everybody, with Bannersociety.com. Great article. Go to our website. Go to our Facebook page. uh, And you can read it for yourself. All right. Ches Richards is next on the Eagle Hour. Don't leave. We've still got more to bring you. Good chatting with Stephen Godfrey from SB Nation. Uh, great article. Check out our Facebook page and read it. Uh, good, realistic, objective analysis from him. Appreciate him coming on the Eagle Hour today. Four segment brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or online, toyotahattiesburg.com. Also want to tell you about DBAT and D1 Training, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg. DBAT is a football and softball academy. Next door, D1 Training, with that 
70-yard indoor turf field for you to work on running and sprinting and then, of course, weight training. So uh, DBAT and D1, they're on board with us with the Eagle Hour. Get on board with them today. Happy to have on the phone with us, hailing from Troy, Alabama, one of my former teammates. Chaz Richards was a linebacker for the Golden Eagles from 2003 through 2007, one of those Jeff Bauer types uh, that we all were back in the day, and he joins us now. Chaz, what's up, man? How's it going, Lou? How's it going, Eagle Hour? <laughs> good, uh, good to talk to you, brother. So, uh, yeah, 2003, you come in, and f- uh, first year we win a conference championship. We can just credit oh, you with that, Chaz, man. that freshman sensation. But we, we were joking, and you were joking off air. We go back to the Dome. I think it was second game of the 04 season. We beat Nebraska. We beat <laughs> Tulane. But you got your first snaps in the Tulane game in the Dome, yeah. and what happened in there? Hey man, it was about a couple plays in. We they was on a good drive, and I think it was a guard of the center came up field and blocked me. Man, I got pancake something serious. I think coach had to get me out the game at that moment. So pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so the talk about as a. I ended up on my back. That's the pancake gets with those oh yeah, it it happens. It happened. Look, it happened to me sometimes on punt teams. I, I so I get it. But we were talking last. Uh, we were talking last segment with this guy, and, and one of the things that he brought up is that Southern Miss, especially back in the day under Jeff Bauer, had the ability to find diamonds in the rough to find guys that no one else maybe would give a chance to. I know you in 03 and 04, you got to mirror your game after two of those guys, Rod Davis, Michael Bowley, Antoine Cash was in there. All three of those guys played in the NFL. What was it like for you as a linebacker coming in to have that much talent to look up to? That much talent came with a lot of teaching. I barely knew football until I got to Southern Miss because uh, I was a lineman, D-lineman, offensive lineman at uh, Charles Henderson in Alabama. And uh, those guys taught me a lot about the game, uh, standing up, rather, and uh, being, being a linebacker. And I had a different uh, view from the game besides just A to B and one, two, and three gaps and stuff. So it was a different – a different vibe for me, but those guys were truly, truly committed to the game, and it kind of gave me that that same sense because they 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 gave that spirit of the nasty bunch philosophy, and it, it was just a great a great experience in that time. And those guys played some great ball, a great ball player, great great people off the field as well too. Jazz, uh, our last guest talked about the uh, about the cachet that Southern Miss had. Uh, back in the days that you guys were playing, and the brand that they could take into Alabama and. Uh, Louisiana and other places. Did did that attract you to the program? Well, um, yeah, but the biggest attraction to me was a former teammate uh, from Charles Henderson, uh, Mr. Uh, what, Terrell Paul came from uh, Charles Henderson, and yeah. he recruited me along with uh, Coach, uh, Coach Butler. Coach Butler did as well. Mm-hmm. But you were aware well, you were aware of Southern Miss football, is that fair to say? Yes, I, I, I was. I was. Right, right. They, you, they say you want to play defense, you go down to Southern Miss, man. Mean guys down there, we play ball. <laughs> well, there you yeah. go. I mean, I think that's exactly what the writer was saying then. So, so yeah, you're witness yeah. to that. Yes, I was. I was. Um, having um, Tyrone Nix as uh, defense coordinator and everything is a, is a different vibe of football. Um, Latrell Pollard was uh, one of the coaches for linebackers at the time. Jay Hobson, we had – a great uh, lineup of coaches uh, who really cared and really loved the game. They mm-hmm. loved the game. They even much so loved the players they had. Went and got a lot of good guys from the areas of the Southeast region, man. And they we they put together some magic. 
And be honest, how, how much of it, too, was the opportunity to play with Luke Johnson? Luke, well, it was a great opportunity, man. I'm talking about Luke could do some things that other players couldn't, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, Luke proposed after a game one time, and I was like, oh, man, this was sharp. He, he, he is the one, but he always kept us together, man. Like, if you – you don't just go in and recruit a special team player that has love for the whole game like Luke Johnson. You don't find that much because what he what he did, he was the glue for the whole team. Really? Most special team players just come in and look around and say, oh, I got a kick or I got a snap or I got a punt, whatever I got to do. But Luke was holding people together. like they, He was holding people accountable from Luke. The, uh, special teams. Because I, 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 I was also – recruited for special teams, but I moved up to linebacker, well, for uh, fullback and then linebacker. But Lou was the glue to the team because he kept us together, man. And he wasn't afraid to voice it as a special team player. They're not really vocal, but he was a, a true leader on the team. Yeah. Give him that. Luke, did you Don't call this man Luke. before we went on the air and ask him to say all those nice yeah, things about you? Yeah, his check's already in the mail. Don't don't believe everything <laughs> yeah. you hear. I'm just kidding. No, no we had fun. Man. Yeah, yeah. And he's a great hey, Chaz, listen. Too, man. I appreciate yeah. that, brother, so much, man. It was those were the, the great times. Listen, we're out of time. We're going to get you back on soon, and uh, you keep, keep making people's hair right over there in Alabama. Okay, I do, I do. Yeah, I'll take care. You got all right, Chaz. We'll look forward to having you back on the show. Hopefully, we'll get you back on next week, young man. All right, Chaz Richards, everybody from Troy, Alabama. What a great show today, packed from start to finish. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did bringing it to you. Luke and I back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Luke at 4th Street Bar and Grill. He'll be uh, down there eating that 895 lunch. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.